Welcome back to Leading from the Forest. Have I got a treat for you on this Sit Down Sunday episode today. But first, if you're new to the show, a huge welcome home to you. I've missed you. Come on in, join the tribe and pop those comfy slippers on. If you were unlucky enough to miss the last episode, I was talking all about a forest school leader and a kit with a cheeky surprise at the end for all those forest school leaders out there. I'd certainly encourage you to go and check that one out. But now, let's roll. Welcome to Leading from the Forest podcast, where I delve into the world of forest school with the intention of decoding it for parents and those new to the movement. Over the last year, I have brought together a powerful community of parents that have embraced the transformational process of Forest School to set their child up for life success as I go about my mission to reconnect 10,000 families with nature the Forest School way. I'm your host, Mark, the founder of EcoEd Forest School, and listen in as I break down what it's actually all about and how it can work for your child too. I'm ready to create real change. Are you? Hey everyone, so for this edition of Sit Down Sunday, I was joined by someone who can only be described, even though he may not admit it, as a local hero, Mr. Steve Hill, MBE. Steve tells me he has been teaching now for over 22 years and is currently a deputy head and full-time teacher at a local primary school here in Oldham, Greater Manchester. Mr. Hill, as he is better known to his class, will tell you straight away that he is first and foremost a class teacher. He tries to make every child feel special and motivated to work hard to fulfil their full potential, both within and outside of the classroom, by developing in them positive, confident attitudes which will stay with them for life. Steve can be heard continually telling the children that anything is possible and that they should never ever settle for anything less than their very best as they pursue their dreams and their ambitions in life. However, Steve is a teacher with a difference. Not only does he motivate and inspire his classes, but he certainly practices what he preaches, leading by pure example when he takes on what the children affectionately call Mr. Hill's challenges. Don't be fooled here, these aren't your casual bath of baked beans or a casual cycle around a park on a Sunday type of challenges. Oh no, no, no. These are quite immense physically and mentally demanding challenges that to date, have raised over £100,000 for good causes as he pushes his own and the children's boundaries whilst helping inspire others along the way. Now, you may be wondering, well, how immense are we talking here, Mark? Well, my friends, think climbing Mont Blanc, trekking 200 miles through the Sahara Desert, climbing Mount Elbrus in Russia, completing an expedition to the Arctic wilderness, trekking through the jungles of Borneo, trekking to Mount Everest Base Camp, completing the Mount Everest Marathon, and completing the North Pole Marathon, whilst also then completing the Petra Desert Marathon, the Uganda Marathon, the Amazon Jungle Ultra Marathon, a 230-kilometre self-supported race through the Amazon Basin. Yeah, that immense. (laughs) Pretty incredible for just your casual teacher, right? 
Now, these self-funded personal challenges have been the catalyst for the inception of Steve's charity, Team Hill Charitable Trust, which he talks more about in this episode. Furthermore, to his name, he is also an ambassador for the Duke of Edinburgh Awards, and he has been awarded an MBE for services to education and charity, along with multiple other accolades, including a National Teaching Award, Inspirational Teacher of the Year, National Happiest School Person, and of course, Adventurer of the Year. Steve's message is dream big, aim high, and never give up, as he tries and instills an I can and I will mindset, believing that through self-belief, hard work, determination, and never giving up, anything in life is possible, which he has proved more than once through his own suffering, elation and motivation. I'm sure you'll agree. Without further ado, please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Steve Hill. Hey Steve, thank you so much for joining me today. It is an absolute honour to have you on the podcast to chat about your route into teaching, challenging yourself against the elements um, and all things mindset really. Uh, hello Matt, yes, uh, thanks for inviting me on today. Uh, really appreciate being invited and to come and talk about myself and my career and yeah, the experience I've had through life. So for those that sort of may not know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm Steve Hill and I'm a primary school teacher. Uh, first and foremost, I'm the deputy head teacher at a primary school in Shaw. Uh, I've been teaching now for 24 years and um, for me, it's the greatest privilege in the world um, to be part of these children's lives, um, to be able to guide and nurture them and, and hopefully inspire them to, to be the best they can be in life. And to, as I say, be part of their journey for at least 12 months. And as I say, I've loved every minute of it. Um, it's a big part of my life and always has been and um, long way that continue. Hmm. Do you find a little bit of sadness when you have to say goodbye to a class and always the next one comes through and it's is the restart again? Absolutely. I mean, for the majority of my career, I've taught year six. Um, so it, it's hard to say goodbye when they're leaving for, for secondary school, but um, they're always sad to leave. Um, and that's a great testament, hopefully, to the year that they've had. They've had a fantastic year full of experiences. But they're also ready for that next step to secondary school. And, and for me, that's my job done. Uh, yes, we have sats in year six, uh, which are so, so important. They've, they've got to do it. But uh, it's not the most important thing for me. It's about inspiring them to dream big and to be confident to take a next step. And they do leave, leave me, if you like, uh, confident for the next, next part of their journey at secondary school. And, and they do keep in touch, which is great. You know, many of them come back to help with sports after school, obviously pre-lockdown. Uh, and many of them take up the Duke of Edinburgh Award and, and come back and do the voluntary work uh, with me at, at school. So I do keep tabs on them. And I said, they do keep in, keep in touch. Um, but as I say, yeah, I do, I do, I do miss, uh, miss the children. This year I'm teaching year four. So, you know, I will get to see them for at least another two years. And, and this is a, a new experience in itself, teaching the younger children, because, you know, it's just two years, but there's a big difference between year four and, and year six. But I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Absolutely. So how did you find your way into teaching in the first place? Um, teaching was never, never on the radar uh, as I was growing up. Uh, I wanted to be a fighter pilot in the RAF. I wanted to be a, a policeman, a fireman the usual things, uh, but teaching, as I said, was, was not something I ever dreamt of doing as, 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 a, as, a, as a, you know, a student, if you like, growing up. Um, I ended up staying on doing my A-levels. Uh, I didn't want to go to university. And then I found myself uh, applying for a job as a trainee quantity surveyor uh, in a, a local building company, um, Jew Group in Oldham. Uh, I got the job and started my career as a, as I say, a trainee quantity surveyor uh, and did that for three years. Um, but if I'm very honest with you, it was totally unfulfilling. I found myself pretty bored, um, not stretched, as I said, not fulfilled in the least. 
and it was a conversation with a mum who, who worked in a school at the time. And I said, mum, this is not for me. I can't see myself doing this for the rest of my life. Uh, and we had a good conversation. He said, have you thought about teaching? Uh, so at this point, I'm, I was 21, going on 22. And I hadn't, uh, but she planted a seed. She, she, she'd, you know, let the flame, if you like. And I gave her some good thoughts and she encouraged me. And the more thoughts about it, the more it appealed. So I took two weeks uh, annual leave from my, my, my job as a quantity surveyor. And I did a week's experience in a secondary school uh, in the P department. And I did a week's experience in a primary school. And I loved it. And I thought, yes, this is what I need to be doing. This is what I was meant to do. And it was about a decision then whether to go for primary or secondary school. Um, there was something special about being in a primary school, being in a class of, you know, on average 30 children. And as I said earlier, being part of their lives, seeing them grow, listening to the stories every day. And it, it was just something special. I thought, yes, it's primary school for me. Uh, I finished uh, my job. I'm in Norton uh, as a, a quantity surveyor. And then went back to university. Um, four years B.Ed. Down at Manchester, and then I was offered a job at the primary school where I had done that week's experience. Uh, I'd kept in touch with the school. I'd gone back to help with sports days, and as I said, four years later, I found myself in, in year five, uh, teaching year five as an NQT, and loved every minute, and still love every minute. Uh, I still work in the morning and feel what a privilege it is as I'm winter class and the children have come into class, and. As I said, being part of their lives, listening to their stories, them sharing their stories and their lives with you and just being on that journey with them for 12 months uh, and beyond uh, often is the greatest privilege. And as I say, it is the greatest job in the world. I can't say the marking in the evenings and all the work in, into the evenings is the greatest part of the job. But for me, being there with the children between 9 and 9 and 3.30 is, is, is fabulous, as I say. So, Absolutely. yeah, I found my corn in the end and uh, all thanks to my mum there, um, as I say. I mean, I, I can uh, remember my first experience in schools when I was sort of looking at different careers to go into like yourself and it was that buzz and that excitement of being in the class with 30, 30 children of primary age it, it was just something about it and I still don't think I've ever been able to put my finger on what it was it was just kind of this this buzz yeah. I, I don't know it, I, maybe you've got a, an opinion on what it is but it's just the, the, the classroom's alive, isn't it? You know, it's a bit of a cliche, but it's 30 individuals though, isn't it? Yeah. All with different needs, all with different experiences, but all looking at you as their teacher, yeah. you know, and with that respect. And, you know, for me, they do anything for you. They want to please you. That You know, yeah. often it said, you know, Mr. What is it you've got in your, in your class? Those children have run through brick walls for you. And it's great that they would, but it's, you know, I always stress we're a team. You know, yes, we're saying, I'll do anything for you guys, but equally so, you know, you don't let me down, I won't let you down. And mm. it's just, it, it is. And unless you've been in the classroom, you know, a lot, none of my friends are teachers. It's like, oh, I don't know how you do it. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. And, <laughs> you know, and, and I always get the, you know, it's the best, you know, best paid part-time job in the world and holidays and all, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. as we know, it's not the case. Um, but it just is, it's magical. You don't know what's going to expect each day. But, you know, we come home at night, you're often exhausted. But as I say, you're up in the morning, you're unsure, you know, you're performing quite often, aren't you? But, yep. you know, the children Absolutely. come in and I often have a line at my desk and it's, Mr. Well, guess what? And you just think, <laughs> wow, it's just awesome. And you listen to the stories and 
every day we're going off on tangents, we're discussing things. And just to say, I often said to them, you know, show me sparkly eyes. And to see a class of 30 children with their eyes wide open and sparkly and asking questions and just lapping it up, soaking it up, it's just the greatest job in the world. And as I say, you know, go back in, it's such a privilege to be part of part of their lives. And that's my my big passion. It's not the exams, it's not the stats, it's inspiring the, the you know, these young people, these, these young minds to dream big and aim high and have that confidence to go out into the world and, and be the best that they can be in whatever they do in life. And as I said, that's my my biggest, biggest passion. And that's what drives me into, you know, into the classroom each day, um, as I said, to, to make a difference with these children. Were these conversations of, Mr Hill, guess what? Were the idea of taking on these, well, these phenomenal challenges that you've done over the years, is that where it stemmed from? Or was it something completely different? Totally, totally. Um, my walls in the classroom are filled with quotes, you know, I can, I will watch me, you know, dream big, aim high, never give up, um, you know, be the best you can be, give 100%. And I'm constantly, constantly, you know, drilling this into the children you know, about that self-belief and hard work and determination and never giving in when things get tough and, you know, being the best you can be and, and talking about we don't know how much we've got inside us, how, you know, what potential we've got there. And I'm striving, I've done that, you know, throughout my, my career. Um, I'd always played rugby and done a lot of sports myself and do a lot of sports with the children and encourage the children to get involved in sports after school. But it was just 10 years ago and I thought, you know, I'm preaching this to the children, but am I actually practicing this in my life? Um, so, yeah, 10 years ago, um, I embarked upon my first challenge, um, the challenges that have become known as Mr. Hill's Challenges. Uh, and that was to go and climb Mount Kilimanjaro, the highest mountain in Africa. And yes, it was a personal challenge for me. Um, I love personal challenges. I love adventure. I love getting out in, in, in the open. So it, there was that element to it. But it was also about showing the children that I was going to take myself out of my comfort zone. I was going to challenge myself and see what I was capable of. And hopefully that was going to inspire them to also push their limits. Um, and on top of that, you know, as a team, of, uh, you know, a class, we raised some money for charity. Um, so that's where that started. And you know, I had no idea or intention of, of, of continuing that, if you like. It was a one-off challenge, but it's led me down some wonderful, wonderful paths and some wonderful experiences. Um, you know, coming back and sharing that experience with the children was, was exciting. They spurred me on, they inspired me. And, you know, summit night's always a tough night on a mountain and, and it, it's dark, it's cold, high altitude, and it's left foot, it's right foot, repeat, keep pushing on. And the thought of the children back at school and, you know, me pushing them and encouraging them, Equally so, they're inspiring me, and I thought I can't let the kids down. Mm. Um, you know what example would that be? And and they're, they're a big inspiration. And I've been come back from that challenge and, and sharing the experience with the children. It was pretty much, what are you going to do next, sir? What's next? Mm. And it's gone from there. So each year, <laughs> yep, I take on these these challenges, um, two or three challenges each year now. And each year, I try and push the boundaries. Um, you know, it's a case now. Well, you've done that, sir. You prove you can climb high mountains. What's next? So I'm always conscious of doing something that really, truly pushes me out of my comfort zone beyond the limits, but also excites the children and, and inspires the children. And as I say, it's took me all around the world, um, you know, and I share these experiences with my new classes um, to try and plant that seed of adventure, you know, amongst them, you know, so there's a big world out there, let's go and explore it. So it's, it's took me to the deserts, the Sahara Desert across the deserts, uh, the jungles, Borneo, the Amazon jungle, uh, the North Pole, Mount Everest, um, you know, running six marathons through the Amazon jungle, through the Arctic and the wilderness. Real exciting adventures that the children get fully involved with, but push me to my limits physically and mentally. And yet, yeah, hopefully, and, and you know, and, and from what I say with the children, it does inspire them. 
as I say, to, to dream big and get out there and whatever it is. I'm not saying you go and run six marathons through the Amazon jungle, but it's have that confidence, that self-belief to go out and follow your own dreams, you know, whatever those dreams are. And uh, yeah. yeah, they get fully involved in it. Yeah, sir might get eaten by a polar bear or by, <laughs> by a jaguar or a caiman in, in, in the jungle, but you can just imagine, you know, currently we're doing about the rainforest, the Amazon jungle in, in class, but I can talk about that from first-hand experiences and it does inspire them. And as I say, it means everything to me and long may these challenges continue. And as I say, it helps us to raise money for charity as well along, alongside that and yeah. bring the children together and raise their awareness of charities and the importance of teamwork and that every little helps and we can all make a difference in the world. Definitely. I think there's two things I want to draw on there, really. Um, potentially, would it be easier to say where you haven't been in the world? Uh, I've still uh, lots of places I'd like to visit. I've got a long list, but uh, possibly, yeah, that, that list is, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's getting longer and longer. Uh, and so the second one was, it, I think it just really highlights the importance of sort of role modelling and leading by example and the sort of role we have as an adult in a child's life as a teacher but just generally as an adult to, to model and to to lead by example it's so powerful it is you know as teachers we are role models and and you know the, the children do look up to us you know as a role model and and yeah in modern society you know many of our children don't have positive role models and uh, particularly positive male role models in their lives um, and as we know there's a real lack of you know male teachers in, in primary school um but i see that as a big part of my my role you know i'm a i think a big part of their lives they're a big part of my lives and yeah you know we are role models and, and they will follow our lead you know a, a good healthy attitude to hard work you know within the classroom is a starting point isn't it you know mm. being able to hold your hands up when you make a mistake it's fine to make a mistake and little things like that absolutely and we've got to be aware of that as a teacher that yeah these children are hopefully modeling themselves on us you know boys and girls and you know, like I said, beyond that, it was important to me to to inspire these children beyond the classroom. Yeah, it was important to to, to prepare them academically, that they could, you know, with life and, and throughout their academic life. But there's more to life than that. You know, it's Absolutely. about developing character. It's about developing resilience, be developing that self-belief. And that's my biggest drive now, and, and as it has been for 10 years, so, so to inspire them beyond the classroom, but through my actions rather than just through, through talking. So I was talking to them all the time, but it was about come on, practice what you preach, let's involve them in this, let's get out on athlete adventures, but equally so challenging myself, you know, I get nervous, you know, I'm, I'm taking on these challenges and I'm not sure what the end result will be, but it frightens me to death to think of not completing a challenge and going back to the children saying, I, I quit, I, I gave up, you know, but yeah. um, so far, so good, fingers crossed. But as I said, the results that I see with the children, the majority want to do Duke of Edinburgh Awards, they leave with confidence to go to secondary school, but as I said, they are aware of that world out there and, and the importance of, you know, making the most of our world, whether it's on our doorstep or whether it's going to see in the, the, the special places that I've had the privilege of, of visiting. And I can mm. I can share with the children, you know, photographs of the Northern Lights, photographs of Machu Picchu, the Amazon jungle, which is, is special. And I just think that the, the fact that I can share this with the children, inspire them, drives me on to keep doing more and more uh, of, of, of the same. I suppose it really brings into focus the human nature of teaching because i think there's there was once or recently there, there was this debate whether you know could we get rid of teachers in the next sort of 20 years when ai becomes massive and ultimately yeah. you know you've just proven there that a curriculum is only as strong as its words but what gives the breadth to it and the strength to it is the teachers and their experience and the things that you, that you can't read the, the things that are yeah. between the lines almost um, absolutely 
Yeah. Yeah. A teacher should bring themselves into the classroom. Absolutely. You know, every child should get a different experience each year because they get a different teacher with different perspectives, different outlooks, different experiences. And that's the, 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 the wonderful thing about teaching, isn't it? And the wonderful being about education. It's, it's a, a colourful diet that the children should be getting. But absolutely, you've got to come into teaching and give of yourself, haven't you? You know, and, and be part of, as I say, again, their, their lives. So, yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, and, and involve them in your life as much as you can. Um, as I, mean, I said, draws, and I've hopefully done that. I mean, it draws on what you were saying before about being that showman or that showwoman. Yeah, you, you, and it is you are, and it's yeah, difficult it. to begin as an NQT. You're on show all day, aren't you? Like, you, you know, you, mm. the front of the classroom, down the classroom, it's like your stage and you are performing, but that performance becomes a natural thing with experience, doesn't it? You, yes. You're not, you're not yes. performing, it's a natural thing. But, you know, as an NQT, as a young teacher, my fears were, you know, you initially work with a small group and that's daunting. You've got a group of seven children to work with. Then you've got a whole class and you've got 30 children looking at you and that's, but it becomes second nature. Then you do an assembly and you've got the whole school and that's daunting, but then that becomes second nature and it's, it's just a natural progression, but you are, as I say, on show, but I think it's not a show because it's natural, you know, it, it, yeah. it might feel that way, yeah. but it, it becomes a natural thing. It becomes thing a natural thing, yourself. doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it almost just, it, it uh, enhances the experience for the children because they, Absolutely. you know, and I think that is the key thing to it. Um, and although it may appear as, as we said, a show and, you know, in, in teaching terms, it possibly is because, you know, you, you put in that extra kind of sass, yeah. as it were, into the performance. You are. But ultimately. But I think it's got to be genuine. It's got to be, I think children know it's not genuine. You, you've yeah. got to be genuine as a teacher, yeah. haven't you? Children will soon see through you if it's not a genuine mm. thing. Um, as I say, it's more than a job. I know it yeah. cliches again, but it, 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 it is a passion, isn't it? It is a, mm. a calling, if you like, yeah. because it's such hard work and it's so draining and there's so much to do and I don't, we don't want sympathy out there, but it is, you give so much of yourself that it, it's yeah. not a job that you go into for the money. No. Uh, and it's not your nine to five job as many people say. Many people say. <laughs> Best paid part-time job in the world with all those holidays, you're never there. Um, but I think people realise generally that, you know, it's, it is a tough, and getting tougher, you know, it's not yeah. getting easy sure. uh, with sure. all the problems in society, but as I say, we can only do our bit. And as I said, those 30 children that sit in front of me every day, they're the most important thing in my life and as I say, I'll give them the best deal possible. This is it. So bringing slightly back onto, um, as we were just touching on before about your challenges, I'm sure you've met some very, very interesting people, you know, on your travels and people obviously potentially not from the teaching background. So what in your opinion draws people to challenge themselves against the natural elements? Cause obviously we sort of have an idea of about yourself and what drew you, but what about the wider public and, and people like that? I think, you know, nature, the natural elements are so powerful, aren't they? But so beautiful. And when you're in these challenges, you're often in the most remote parts of the world and you're seeing nature at its best, but also at its most brutal sometimes, you know, in the Arctic and so forth. And I just think, I won't say everybody, but there's that natural thing inside, I think, to, to test yourself against those elements, isn't it? You know, what am I actually capable of? And we know, and I, you know, something I often said to the children, there's so much inside every one of us that we don't even delve into the depths of what we are capable of. We're capable of so much more than any of us realise. But if we don't push ourselves, we're never going to realise what we're capable of. And it's about just no. taking that little bit of a step outside the comfort zone, isn't it? And getting out there and pushing. And there's no better where to challenge yourself and against those, those, those natural elements, you know, that, 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 you know, whether it's mountains, deserts, jungles, Arctic, um, and that just, that sense of adventure, uh, mm -hmm. is just, I think it's in us all, but for mm -hmm. some, it needs a bit nurtured, if you like, and just pull out a little bit. Um, 
I feel that like when I was a child, it was a bit more of a natural thing to be out in the open, you know, playing out, you know, building dens and, and having mini adventures, etc. And I have seen a difference in childhood, you know, recently, but for my time of teaching where with the advent of Xboxes and, and the like, you know, children don't play out as much as they did and they're not outside as much. And I think, you know, it's about encouraging them to get out there and to, to challenge themselves. So I think, you know, in the people that I've met on my challenges, like you say, you often find that they're very like-minded people. Yeah. A word that's often used, you know, to describe me. And I, I find it a bit of a compliment. It's bonkers. You're totally bonkers, Mr. Hill. And I do take that as a compliment. But I find that, uh, you know, when I do these challenges, I'm with like-minded bonkers people. And, and it's just great people to be with. That They're refreshing. You know, they're, they're not, majority of them are not teachers. Yeah, they're not in the, edu you know, educational world. It's a wide range of backgrounds um, from around the world. Mm. But you've just instantly got something in common with them. And you're finding the challenges, everyone's there to help and support each other. You know, everyone wants everyone to succeed, whether you are running, you know, six marathons through the jungle or you're climbing a mountain, everyone's there to help each other and encourage each other. And it's just, it's a community and it becomes a community. You keep in touch with these people and you might not see them from one year to the next, but you're there and, and they're always checking up how you're doing and what your next challenges are. And it's a great support network, uh, as I'm saying, and, and you know, I'm proud to be part of that network. And um, as I say, I'm always looking for the next, next challenge. But, you know, I just think we all, whether it is pushing in the natural elements or whatever it is in life, we should be challenging ourselves, constantly challenging ourselves, setting new goals, pushing ourselves, whether we're children at primary school, secondary school, adults, you know, let's not be sick and, you know, sitting back. I think the day we, do, we don't have our dreams and we don't challenge ourselves, then we've stopped living in many ways, haven't we? We're just Definitely. resigned to being like this and, and just stuck in our ways. And I just think sometimes we need a little bit of a wake-up call, a little bit of a shake of, well, why are your dreams? Let's reignite those dreams. Let's just push ourselves, whether it's couch to 5K or whatever, or going out walking a little bit more, getting up to Indian's head around Dove Stones, whatever it is on your level, but just challenging yourself, isn't it? And, Absolutely. you know, the sense of achievement when you have challenged yourself and when you, you, you know, you reach that challenge and then set the next challenge. It's just, as I said, reawakening what we know is inside us. Um, mm. So as I say, yeah, bonkers. You're running a, a marathon in the North Pole, pretty extreme. We're not suggesting everyone goes out doing that, but whatever it is, isn't it? Just push and challenge, as I say, and, and see where it leads you, see where it takes Absolutely. you to. I suppose it's a progression though, isn't it? I, I mean, you know, you just touched on there. It doesn't have to be that for everybody. You yeah. could start off with, a, you know, as in the character 5K, it'd be walking in the street. But ultimately, they, at the end of that, could be a challenge on the scale that some of some of the challenges that you've Absolutely. taken, you know? Whatever whatever the challenge is, isn't it? Whatever the thing they're not capable of, yeah. they actually are capable of, isn't it? And, 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 it. and it's, it's little steps, small little steps. Mm. But as I say, you know, the more you challenge yourself, the more exciting life, isn't it? The more rich life yeah. is, as I say. And, and I often say to the children and, and people, you know, I do get the privilege of, of giving talks about my challenges mm. to, 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 to people and to schools, secondary schools, and it's, we're all entitled to big dreams in life. And, and, and it upsets me when I see children, young people, when I ask a question, who's got big dreams? And no hands go up and you think, oh yeah. my goodness me. Maybe they've not been asked that question or they just haven't got big dreams, no big aspirations. And I'm just trying to get the message across that we're all entitled to big dreams. And I said, dreams that really, really excite us and even frighten us because they're so yeah. big. And nobody on this world, on this planet, has got the right to tell us that your dreams are too big. It's Absolutely. about self-belief, believing in your dreams, I'm making those dreams a reality, whatever they may be. And there'll always be the knockers in life. Of course. Having the confidence to just ignore those knockers, the doubters in life, this and getting it. on with it uh, and enjoying your dreams. 
and exciting dreams, like you said. And I've had that same conversation with my lot today, my, my class today, and just seeing those eyes, those sparkling eyes about, you know, it's just great. And you just know that those little seeds are being planted and, mm. you know, will hopefully come to fruition in, in later life. I just want to draw on the word that came into my head when you were speaking just then, and, you know, you mentioned it, community. And it's something that we have spoken about on the podcast before. It's, it's come up a few times, but you know, it's, again, it comes back to how powerful that is for a child's development is it's phenomenal and having that yeah. strong community around them and that, and that model and that, and that sort of sanctum of, yeah. of and support network, isn't support. it? Support yeah. network to support them on the way into that They feel safe and secure, whether that's, you know, the class, the family, the, you know, the extended family, the little teams are involved in, and they're involved in lots of these different things, isn't it? But it gives Definitely. them that security and that confidence too push the boundaries you know to challenge themselves isn't it absolutely mm. so from your experience then both as a teacher um and an adventurer if if that's the right word to use for it um what can children learn from the outdoors beyond simply nature study and i think we've sort of touched on elements but potentially could you put it into maybe your top five points of what potentially could they learn from it I mean, for me, it's just being outdoors, isn't it? And, and you talk about the nature, but for, for me, you know, fresher outdoors nature, it, it, it's the best natural medicine for me. It, it's the best thing for your physical health, for your mental health, without a shadow of a doubt, whether it's going for a walk, just sitting in the garden, but just being outside. Things that we, as children, took for granted, as I said, being out on your bikes, playing out, making the dens, as I said, playing out with your friends, going on little adventures, just being out there, but appreciating what's on your doorstep, isn't it? The, the, mm. the, the natural beauty of the world out there. You know, I see often when I'm out running and always discovering new things that I didn't know were there. And I've lived, you know, in the same place for many, many years. Um, but I think it's also, you know, you develop your character out there, don't you? You develop, you know, the, the being able to take risks, you know, and, and averting risks, but taking risks, risk assessment, climbing trees, mm getting dirty getting muddy it's things it's part of growing up uh, that i feel some children don't always get as i say because they're drawn to that xbox drawn to the ipad drawn to the, the phones and you know childhood is different now you know a, a prime example is during lockdown we obviously had um, children at home but the key worker children were coming to school um, and once they got the work done the children who were with me i'd take them out every single day because it was lo lovely weather over lockdown and i'd take them onto the football field and we'd make dents we'd do den building and we'd make rope swings and we'd climb trees and and it was magical it's what school should be about and i had children from nursery up to year six and they had the best time and mr hill can we sleep in our dens can we have a campfire can we cook some sausage on the campfire when are we going to do this again so this is awesome and for me it was just natural things that children should be doing but yeah. obviously are not doing as much as much as they could do and just being outside, having scuffs on the knees because they're climbing trees, all the clothes are full of green moss from the trees and you saw nothing but laughter and smiles and young children with older children and just dragging trees across the pitch to make dens with, thinking about how they can get the shelter in and how they can keep the rain out. And as I say, I just stepped back and thought, wow, we've lost a bit of this in schools, unfortunately. We need yeah. to be getting, the, like you're doing yourself with your, you know, your eco um, forest school, getting them out uh, and enjoying nature and, and we talked about if you're ever stranded in you know in a jungle the first thing you need to do is build a shelter once you've got a shelter you need to find water but you need to get a fire going once you get your fire and you've got your shelter you're going to survive and you need water and it, they, they just lapped it up and they loved it so i think it is encouraging children just to get out and appreciate what's on your doorstep and enjoy the open open spaces that, you know what's on our doorstep in, in, in oldham here and as uh, it is the best medicine and and you know 
it just makes you feel so much better, doesn't it, about yourself being out it in does. the open. It does, for sure. And it was quite interesting what you mentioned there about lockdown and how you know you, you were taking uh, members of your class out. Um, and I was speaking to um, Rachel, who uh, runs the blog um, Outdoor Mummy, uh, local blogger in Oldham. And she was mentioning how over lockdown, she, her family and her, and she'd spoken to a lot of other families who'd found the same, that they were finding completely brand new routes that they'd never experienced before that were literally right next to their house. Yep. And yep. because they were almost forced to have to remain in the local area, they, they decided, oh, well, we'll go and have a wander and mm-hmm. see what we find. And it was that beauty of that enforced lockdown that kind of allowed us to expand our, our understanding of our local area, which, and our community as well, you know, coming back to that. And, you know, people made stronger connections during, lockdown, I think, than ever before. And it, it brought somewhat of a community spirit back. He did. I just think he slowed down the way of life a little bit. People were rushing around everywhere. People had a little bit more time on their hands. I found that I do a lot of running, going out for a run and not having to rush back and just enjoying what was on the doorstep. And as I said, finding paths that led to all places that have always been there, but I'd never discovered them before. And as I said, just in, enjoying that. And as I said, the more community spirits, um, you know, and helping people, you know, within need within the community. You know, one thing, I did set up last year on the, on the back of the fundraising for the last 10 years was my own charitable trust, um, which, you know, we, we, we fundraise for local causes uh, and projects in Uganda, uh, in Africa, and, you know, making a difference. And lockdown came and we had to cancel a lot of our events. And it was a case of, well, you know, what do we do now? We step up to the mark, you know, we've got a, a town here on lockdown. We need to, to help people who are in need. And we, mm. we ended up doing shops for the, the, the elderly and vulnerable. They were isolating. We did over a thousand shops, you know, wow. pick up, drop off shops, picking up prescriptions, doing welfare calls, checking on them, doing comfort packs for the hospital, for the COVID ward, um, goodie bags for the children's children's ward and just making a difference as best you can and, and you, you pull together and it, and it brought a lot of people a lot of volunteers who mm. came to the phone and said we'd love to help you know we, we want we need a focus we need to, to do something ourselves and something that's good and going to make a difference and it, it brought the best out in a lot of other people as well which was was, was fabulous so yeah lockdown wasn't ideal but a lot of positives have come from that as i say if it's just the den building with the children, which was fantastic and something they won't forget. But as I said, the community spirit as well. Definitely. I can fully agree with that statement that, you know, potentially it wasn't going to be the best time, but you know, I suppose it's the British spirit, isn't it? Make do and get on with it. Absolutely. And, and there's <laughs> and always going to be those times, absolutely in life. And, and there's always going to be setbacks, always going to be yep. bits of failure. And it's about just coping with that. And I think that's a, it's a big thing now for, for the youth of today, isn't it? That, that acceptance that failure is fine. You yeah. know, in life, there'll always be the setbacks in life, and 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 you know, we, we all get them. It's about how you cope with them, isn't it? How you how sure. you how you deal with it. You know, and and, and I've got a, a prior. If we've got time, a, a great story from when I was in the Amazon jungle, um, dealing with, dealing with setbacks every time there. But um, as I say, it was, it was a big step up. It was in 2017, and and the previous year, I'd, I'd run the North Pole Marathon, which was fantastically exciting. You know, so I was going to the North Pole, going to run a marathon around the North Pole. It was minus 60 degrees and yeah there were polar bears in the vicinity and, and it was brilliant the kids were fully on board and it was fabulous and i got back and it was like well how am i going to beat that how am i going to surpass that you know the previous year i'd done the mount everest marathon uh, really pushing the boundaries uh, and that had been my first marathon at mount everest and i did my research as you always do on the back of what's next sir um and i came across the events one of the toughest foot races on the planet it's the amazon jungle ultra marathon which was 230 kilometers 
self-supported, um, carrying all your food, all your water, everything on your back, sleeping in a hammock at night, having you had to camp, and covering 230 kilometres, pretty much six marathons in five days, uh, on, which is fabulous. Yeah, totally bonkers, but really, <laughs> really excited me. And I obviously shared that with the children, and it was, yeah, go for it, sir. You know, fantastic, great, and lots of training. Took all the food into school. The children all you know, tried the food and, and got a great send-off, and, and, and off I went. Um, prepared well. Finished my first stage, first marathon, came into camp, uh, got my hammock up, um, got a bit of food down me, got a few hours sleep, ants all over the hammock, mosquitoes in the hammock, totally, you know, but you can imagine it. Great adventure. I know I'm selling it to you and I know you're probably going <laughs> to, you, you fancy it in the future. Memory. But, um, this and, is and in the morning, you get up in the morning and yeah, you, you got everything reversed, get a bit of food down you, get your hammock down, get all your gear back on and get on the start line ready for stage two. Yeah. Uh, and it was the start of stage two, feeling good, feeling strong. And I went to pick up my, my, my left shoe, my left trainer, and there was a big rip down the side. And I just couldn't believe it. I sat there in total disbelief that I prepared for everything, trained so well, felt so strong, felt so positive, and I had a big rip down the side of my shoe, which I hadn't noticed the night before. And I just couldn't believe it. And I didn't know what to do. And I just thought, oh, that's game over. I'm out of the race. How can I run another five marathons through the Amazon jungle with a shoe that's just my foot's going to hang out the side of it? And and. For a few seconds, I suppose I'd quit, and I just felt really sorry for myself. And then I gave my head a bit of a wobble, and I thought about the kids back at school, and I thought, well, what would they say? And the answer pretty much was, get on with it, sir. Yeah. Um, sports to the race director, he got me some gaffer tape and some zip ties, and gaffer taped it up and zip tied it up, and off I went. And it wasn't ideal, I was slipping and sliding, but I got to the finish line. Uh, I lost six toenails, which are in a Ziploc bag in class now, which we often pass around. It's, you know, a bit wrong, but I, I often do. And I keep adding to it every time I do a challenge and lose a toenail or two. But I lost six toenails in that race. Uh, but I finished it. And it was a really, really brutal, tough race in the Amazon jungle, 70 river crossings, you know, it was, but it was a great adventure. Um, but I kept that trainer and people said, send it back, get a reflast. Kept the trainer because the trainer really for me was a symbol of, of, of not giving up. You know, and I said the yeah. training is a bit like life. You know, in life, mm. we work hard, we prepare for every eventuality, but mm. from time to time, things don't go to plan and we get setbacks, just like the yeah. trainer ripped. And it's about how we respond to that setback, isn't it? It's we either sit there and feel sorry for ourselves and we blame the trainer and we blame the setback and we blame everybody else and we don't take responsibility and then we quit. Mm -hmm. Or we don't have to like it, it's happened. We take responsibility for that setback and we look for solutions. We get the gaffer tape out, we get the zip ties out. And we push on and we yeah, learn yeah. from those setbacks and they're going to be setbacks throughout life. And I think young people, children need to understand that, that it's natural. It's normal to have setbacks. Mm. It's normal to have failures, but we learn from those and we get stronger and we get better. We don't quit when things are getting tough. We've just got to dig deep and maybe take little smaller steps um, along the way. Um, so one of my big mantras when I'm doing these races, these ridiculous distances is left foot, right foot, repeat. As long as you keep doing that, you'll get to your destination. You'll get to your goal. You'll get to your to achieve those dreams. As long it's, as you don't it's stop It's a great mantra, isn't it? Really, you, you can't go wrong with that because you can't go wrong. And we can all put our left yeah. foot in front of our right foot, can't Absolutely. we? Absolutely. Wherever you're going. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be big steps. And I just say, you know, as I'd run a marathon, it's one step at a time, one mile at a time, one checkpoint at a time. Keep moving forward and don't forget to, from time to time, just to stop and look behind <laughs> you and say how far you've come. Yeah. You've still got a long way to go always give yourself a little bit of a pat on the back and, and be proud of how far you've come and it can relate to anything in life and you know I often give that talk to children who are doing the GCSEs that yeah GCSEs you've got a lot of work to do it all seems quite overwhelming break it down into small manageable chunks 
and give yourself little pats on the back about how far you've come and just, just make sure. Like you're doing a marathon, an ultra marathon, small, little manageable chunks, lots of little successes ultimately lead to the, the big success in the end, doesn't it? So Definitely. it's not about not giving up. Yeah. No. Winners never quit, as we say in our in our class. This is it, isn't it? You know, I, I think I'm quite guilty of uh, sometimes not looking back. You know, mm. you, you're consistently at the coal face and you're consistently going, what, what's next, what's next, what's next? Yeah. But, mm. you know, when you mentioned that, then it is a kind of a moment of, do you know what? Yeah, sometimes it is, it is really oh, yeah. refreshing to stop and then go, right, this is what I've achieved. Yeah. And it kind of gives you that extra spur to push on it, even harder. It does, because we all need a little bit of pat on the back sometimes. I and mean, people say, don't look in the past, don't look back on this. But you need to look back to see how far you've come, don't you? And, and your achievements you've had. And, and to remind yourself sometimes, isn't it? As, you know, as tough as things are going forward, yeah, you need to know where you're going. But look how far you've come and where you've come from, yeah. isn't it? And I think that's really important for all ages uh, as we, as we Absolutely, go. Absolutely, I completely agree. Mm. Particularly, the, you know, the, the younger we sort of set that with children of, of having that, I don't know, what would you call it? That system, I suppose, or that framework in their mind. Okay, look how far you've come, but let's look back and let's reflect on yeah. it and yeah. think about that. The yeah. more it'll become ingrained in their, in their day-to-day routine, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah. And take a deep breath and let's go again, you know, with those little steps. Absolutely. Brilliant. I like that. I want to keep that one. <laughs> keep that one. Keep that one. <laughs> um, so something popped into my head or re-popped into my head, actually, because I was thinking about it a little bit before when you were um, speaking about your adventures. And you've you obviously mentioned about the Amazon. Was that then potentially the, the moment that you found the most difficult? Or, or yeah. were there others? Or has that, has that been the moment that you stood out that you kind of, as you said, you had a wobble and you thought, you know what, is this even possible? Yeah, I mean, every challenge has had, it, had, it, has had its moments, you know. The, the, you know, let's like say I've climbed Kilimanjaro, gone trek through the Sahara Desert, trek through the jungles of Borneo and climbed mountains and Mount Elbrus, and all been different, all been exciting, all been fabulous, but all been tough. You know, whether you're summiting a mountain during the night, you know, often you do, and, and it's, it is your high altitude, so you, you're having to take the breath in, you're getting about half the, the amount of oxygen you'd normally get at sea level. And it's an endless slog. It is endless, endless, eight, nine hours of just left foot, right foot, high altitude, burning legs. And you just think, oh my God, this is never going to end. Mm. But it does end. And it's about just keeping going. Because the easy option would be to go back to camp Absolutely. and give up. And it's not. It's that like keep moving left foot, right foot, and repeat. And it'll come. It takes a long time to come. And you get those little false summits. But it will. The sun comes up. You know you're getting to the sun. And eventually you're there. And it, it, yeah, you get emotional. What a journey it's been. Yeah. But that, that easy option is always there to, to wash away, oh. as it were. We don't take it. No. If you're running a marathon or running an ultramarathon, they're a little bit more lonely. You're on your own a lot. So the following year from, from the Amazon jungle, I, I took part in the, the Arctic ice ultra in the middle of winter, mm-hmm. six marathons through the, the Arctic wilderness. Again, all these were in school holidays, so it was pretty much a case of finishing on the Friday, flying on the Saturday, oh. uh, preparing on the Sunday and getting all your equipment checked. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, flying back on the Sunday, I'm back in school on the Monday with a few extra toenails in my Ziploc bag, which uh, for the kids to say, as you do. Um, but it can be done. You know, you'd think, oh, there's no way I can squeeze it into a week. You can do. It's a mind over matter, isn't it? That's self-belief. Um, but yeah, that's a moment That's a moment I share with people because it, it, it's tangible. It's a trainer. Yes. They can understand with that and, and the message is there. But, you know, running through the Arctic in, in the middle of the night, you've been going all day. It's minus 40 degrees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, okay, you've got the Northern Lights above you. You're on your own. A lot of mind games. Mm. It's that positive mindset, isn't it? Of Definitely. Remembering why you're doing it. Remembering your why. What you, why you're doing it. Mm. Lots of thoughts. Charities you're raising money for. The children back at school. The inspiration. The example you're trying to set. Yeah. And just keep putting that left foot in front of the right foot. And you've got to keep doing that. You've got to keep your mind strong. 
Um, but it's always like the back of your mind thinking, oh, come on, mate. You know, we get to that next checkpoint, we can just wait there. Game over. Yeah. But it's not. Yeah. You know, we're often saying that there's all those voices saying, come on, take the easy option. Yeah. That little voice in your head that keeps saying, come on, you can yeah. do this. Let's keep moving forward. And, yeah, it's making sure that little voice is a strong voice that, that comes to the fore. So, you know, there's been lots of moments. But I'm, I'm proud to be able to say that, yes, I've managed to complete the challenges I've set myself mm-hmm. so far. But, yeah, you know, I, th- I think there's lots of reasons for all that. But, yeah, that fear of going back to the kids and saying, guys, Definitely. I didn't practice what I preached to you guys. Definitely. Um, you've always got to put safety first. You know, you're on a mountain. You know, if the advice is, come on, you've got to turn around. You've got to do that. But yeah. if it's within you, let's do it. As I say, it, it's just your, keeping uh, going. They become your accountability accountability then, don't they, I suppose? Oh, they do. They do. Kind of oh, so it's invincible in their eyes. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, it's, yeah. so I can't... Uh, <laughs> but the street cred's well gone, isn't it? If I ever quit, I'll have to, I'll have to move schools. <laughs> yeah. Leave the town. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I, I just uh, wanted to pick up something there as well that um, about the, the torn trainer in a case of, you know, when you're trying to explain to a child about resilience and keep on going past certain things and you can, you can speak and speak and speak, having a physical representation of what resilience is and a story mm. to go with that. I mean, that how powerful must that have been to the children that, that, you know, that you've spoken to them about the story behind it. And, and you must just see their faces just go, Oh my gosh. And it, that, you know, that everything just start ticking over and, um, and just kind of going under hyperdrive, hyperdrive, hyperdrive. Uh, it's just, Wow. That, that's it just does, it means everything to me. It does. It's just that added dimension to challenge and, and more motivation to do that, isn't it? Because, yeah, yeah. I think I'd still be doing it if I were a teacher because, yeah, it's within me to do these challenges. But to, to have a team of children, you know, cheering you on, you know, like a cheer squad and be able to share it with them when you come back and see, like you said, those faces and that, 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 that realisation of, well, so did it. So yeah. I can do it. Whatever it is, as I say, whether it's a, a difficult sum in maths or something like that or, or something difficult in, or whatever it is or or whatever it's that little just stick ability isn't it sticking out what you started and and i often say you know in life isn't it you know like a race getting to the finish getting to the start line sorry Mm. getting to the finish line and trying to enjoy the journey in between and whatever it is in life you know you decide to start something or finish what you start but try and enjoy that journey as well in in, in between and learn as you go and you know i've I've been in you know quite a number of schools doing talks and it's one of the biggest things, you know, even at A-level standard, they say the resilience is just non-existent in, in some children and young people. Yeah. It, it's just quitting at the first potential hurdle. And we've got to instill in these children, isn't it, that they've got to stick at things, isn't it? Yeah. Stickability, they will achieve. Absolutely. Don't give up. Ask for help, yeah. Make mistakes, absolutely fine. Don't give up. That's, the, that's the, 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 the big thing. Uh, it's, it's, it's taking that easy option and it's, it's not. It's developing character. It never is. It never is. Even though it seems at the time, it never is because you never get to where you want to be. In the and they never will. Want to go. No, because I think if you quit once, you'll quit twice. It'll just become a habit, isn't it? Mm. Um, so have that habit of, yeah, determination, resilience, as I said, to, to stick at things. So yeah, that little term of stickability. So talking about sort of destinations you want to go, are there any projects uh, you're working on currently that you're super excited about? Always something on the go. As I said, this year I had a number of things planned that were all postponed. Um, London Marathon was one. I ran the London Marathon at the weekend, just on, on Sunday. That was um, I ran it in April when it was cancelled, and it was put back to October. Uh, cancelled again, so it was a virtual one. Uh, the Uganda Marathon uh, I ran. Um, I've ran for the last couple of years, but I ran that virtually in Oldham. Um, lots of places I want to go. Absolutely, I want to do the South Pole Marathon. 
I want to visit the South Pole. I want to climb Mount Everest. That's one of my big dreams to climb Mount Everest. Hopefully one day that will happen. Uh, I want to run a marathon in every continent. I've done four so far. I've got three to go. Um, more ultra marathons. Um, I've got my, my name down for the Lunar Marathon. So if there's ever a marathon on the moon, my name's on the list. So it's <laughs> on the first do that. The kids like, like the thought of that. They want to come and join me on that this one. Is it, so. yeah. Uh, I could be one of the first people to run a marathon on the moon if it ever happens. Imagine that. Um, I, I'm, I'm down for next year. It was going to happen this August, but uh, it's going to be next August now. It's to do the Great Norse Run, which is running from the north of Iceland through to the south of Iceland. It's uh, nine marathons in, in 10 days. So it's, it's a big ask, but uh, yeah. great adventure. Very excited about that. And again, great stories to be able to come back and share with the children. But I'm, I'm sure it'll be a tough journey. But More again, resilience, keeping going. Left foot, right foot, repeat. Um, so lots and lots of things. I always have the children, you know, whether they have any ideas and they come up with all sorts of wild and wonderful things. Mm. But I'm always looking for challenges, always looking to push the boundaries and looking for things that will challenge me, but will also inspire the children to show that, like you said, that self-belief through hard work and through determination and really importantly, never giving up when things get tough. Anything in life is possible. And that's the big message I give to them on a daily basis. You've got to believe it. You've got to work hard for it. It will be tough sometimes. When it is tough, you don't give up and it'll be worth it in the end. And whatever that is in life, as I say, it doesn't have to be climbing mountains, trekking through deserts, running marathons, running ultramarathons. It's whatever the, their Everest is in life, whatever their dream is in life, whatever their goals are in life, isn't it? As I say, mm. it's just having that, that same mindset, isn't it? That, yeah, keep at it and I will achieve it. Uh, and having those exciting dreams and dreams that really, really excite and really frighten them in an exciting way because they're massive. Yeah. They're massive because... No one should be having small dreams. No one should be dreaming small. It should be massive, massive dreams. So, yeah, I'm still dreaming big. I'm still getting out there and hopefully pushing. I'm writing my list, my bucket list. And as I say, hopefully, you know, after lockdown, uh, when we get back to some normality, all systems go again. And in the meantime, yeah. I'll keep running my, my virtual marathons around the streets of Oldham and discovering these, these new paths and these new, you know, landscapes and, and views that are just, just fabulous. You know, we're blessed, I think, around here, aren't we? You know, on our own, Definitely. Our own doorstep. Um, so yeah watch this space and what a great great final thought to sort of end it on but i mean before we wrap it up how can people find you if they want to get in contact and find out a little bit more about you or what you're up to yeah there's a few things so i've got a website a new website actually it's just just um being put together so it's www.stevehillmbe.com that's a, that's a website uh, i'm on facebook i've got two facebook pages um it's steve hill um and i've got team hill charitable trust um facebook page uh, that's, that's the charity we set up last year mm-hmm. uh, on twitter at hil3494 and on instagram at steveville underscore mbe um so I, I you know i document all my challenges on there uh things fundraising events and charity um things we get up to um so yeah and hopefully as i say you know to inspire other people you know to, to get out there and do and follow their dreams as i said and set their own goals and challenge themselves to be the best they can be isn't it the best version of themselves they can be i couldn't agree more steve it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for your time and joining me um to chat about well what have been what has been some super interesting topics mark thank you for inviting me i really enjoyed talking to you now and uh i'll get back to marking my books now (laughs) (laughs) yeah the the, the downside of teaching but uh been an absolute pleasure speaking to you and uh thank you very much and you take care now i'll see you again soon take care bye-bye it was an inspiring conversation with Steve, wouldn't you agree? And one I shall remember for some time. He too, like many others I've had on the podcast, has been someone I've been wanting to get on for a while. 
simply because of his message. Being able to reminisce on my time in the classroom with Steve's current experiences filled me with both happiness and sadness in equal measure. Happiness due to the fond memories of the children I met along the way and impacted upon in some small way. But sadness as they alone could not keep me in the classroom due to the oppressive performance-based business-like culture that now pervades schools in the UK. Many of my saddest memories are held within the four walls of schools, fighting against a system that wasn't helping but hindering our children. I have found a path out of this and into a place where my life, goals and happiness are versatile and deeply, deeply motivating. You heard me right, my happiness is motivating. I make no secret about my fallout of favour with education and my path into Forest School, which differs from Steve's experiences. To have such an inspirational gentleman as your teacher, who doesn't just preach, but practices such, I feel cannot fail but to endear him to the children who are fortunate enough to have him as their guide and their mentor. There were several points I could pick up on from this conversation for further analysis as it were, but two stick with me more than others. They were, take the time to look back at how far you've come and left foot, right foot, repeat. To reflect on how far we have come as adults is something, as I mentioned in the episode, we often fail to do, but that can hold huge benefit for us. The same is true for our children. Through allowing children to pause in their learning journey, to review how far they have come, can make the challenges ahead that little bit more manageable and scalable and potentially less frightening. We often shift children from their next conquest to the next, to the next, without while allowing for reflection or even on occasion without letting them choose for themselves. Reflection is remembering with analysis. When we engage children in reflection, we encourage them to go beyond merely reporting what they've done. In that moment, we help them become aware of what they have learned in that process. What was interesting? How do they feel about it? And what can they do to build on or extend the experience? Reflection consolidates knowledge attitudes, skills and habits, or cash for short, so it can be generalised to other situations in their lives, thereby leading to further prediction and evaluation in times to come. Thus, self-planning and reflection are part of an ongoing cycle of deeper thought and thoughtful application, providing children with their own framework for success guidance, right? My second point is that I absolutely loved Steve's analogy of left foot, right foot repeat when taking on a challenge. That notion of little steps continuously soon leading to big destinations is certainly my takeaway from this conversation. It is reminiscent of something I keep in my mind on a daily basis, the notion of just a little further, referring to how if we were to do that extra thing, that extra push-up, that extra sentence, that extra glass of water, that extra 30 minutes here and there. In the end, it will all add up as extra time well spent in the journey, or in our journey rather, to a better place. And indeed, for our children to their next steps in their learning journey. Steve's analogy reminds us also that no challenge is unsurmountable. Potentially, this has connotations to our mental health and also our children's. When large pressures impact on children's modern childhood, the future for some seems bleak, which can at times be compounded by negative use of social media. 
However, if we guide children to take each day as one step on the road, because ultimately one day is all we have and all we have to move past is one day. By the end of a week, our children's mindset may feel better. Things may have happened to improve how they feel about themselves and the way the world appears as the seemingly unscalable has been conquered by breaking it down in much the same way as Steve's analogy of left foot, right foot, repeat. By breaking it down, by conquering small hurdles one at a time, things don't all look so grand or overwhelming then. And from there, who knows what can be achieved, right? Providing this knowledge for children and being open to them that some days it's okay not to be okay and that in life we are all entitled to down days as a natural par for the course sets a framework for life, I feel. To find out more about Steve, please follow the links I mentioned in the episode or indeed linked in the description. He is certainly a gentleman you will want to follow going forward in your life. Remember, you're just one session away. Thank you so much for listening to Leading from the Forest. To find out more about EcoEd Forest School, head over to our website at ecoedforestschool.co.uk to start your journey with us today. Don't forget to review and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so already, to spread the word of Forest School and to add immense value into other parents' lives. I've been your host, Mark. This has been Leading from the Forest. Have the most amazing rest of your day and I look forward to joining you again very soon.